and he called and like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm so sorry too. <laughs> I didn't even do anything, but I'm sorry too. You know, so it just depends on where the person is in a relationship because I did, I went back, I don't know how many times, but when I finally got kicked and punched in the chest like a dude, that last time I'm like, you know what? This is it. And then one of his friends, who was one of our mutual friends, um, stepped in and was like, same thing, like, right, what do you want me to do? What do you need me to do? And he helped me get away. What up, what up, what up, what up? It's Three Brothers No Sense. I am Tavares Ferguson, a.k.a. Ferg. Join my co-host, Buff and Rozzy. But you guys know them. More importantly, we have three beautiful young ladies on our show today who are going to show the brothers really how to do this. We're going to start with Renata. She seems like she is the resident uh, do-everything. I can't even read off her list of accomplishments. Um... She's a clinical therapist, social worker, and master certified addiction professional. Oh, that might be the reason. Byron, put your cup down, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Just so the listeners know, I am not drinking anything right now. <laughs> she is drinking on some. She's right. drinking on water. So Byron, trying right to get now, us as in when he was saying that. Yeah, right. we know Byron. We're not Byron drinking, trying to get us talking. It just Byron trying to get us a drink. In, in my defense, you're making us look bad in front of the professionals. I felt like this was a special occasion. This is my first time this year cracking open the Remy Martin Tercet. So, you know. Oh, how is it? Very smooth, brother. Oh, like, nice. Like, okay, okay. Enough about y'all. Let <laughs> me get back like, to Renata. Thank you. Thank Renata's, you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> fancy, snazzy glasses, though. I've been checking those out since you got on the show. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Those are some <laughs> so, is that what they're called? They're like, yeah, they're the fancy Smancy's 2000. That's what I'm working with. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back to you then. We got uh, Mr. Shanti over here, who is uh entrepreneur extraordinaire. Like, I think you were in pharma, pharma sales for a while, and now you're doing, um, what What kind of, what, what business did you start? You, are you doing home yeah. health now? I started a uh, medical billing and mobile ultrasound business. So I was in pharmaceutical sales for eight years. Um, graduate of FAMU, of course. Local uh, rap. Yeah, yeah, all that. Five-year MBA program, all that, yeah. She did it like in two and a half. I feel like I saw her for like a week at school, and then she, <laughs> she was ready. She do those three internships, so it took me a while to get <laughs> to get out of FAM. <laughs> all right, and then we have the spoonful of sugar herself, Ms. Uh, Chandra Coleman, <laughs> our, our baker, Extraordinaire, um, my inner fat guy loves to see her food, <laughs> and every time I see it, I feel fat. So, people, please support her in uh, her endeavors, so you too can get fat. So I won't feel bad when I look at her food. So please come get fat. Please, come, <laughs> please come get fat. So if we come home, if I come to Mobile from um, Thanksgiving, I am gonna make a special request. I don't know what it is yet. I think my wife already wants the strawberry shortcake cookie crumble. I don't know what it was. It just looked good and fattening. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my God. That's all I got to say. But ladies, I, I kind of short sh- shorted you guys of your accomplishments. Please tell these people a little more about yourselves. We'll start with you, Miss Fancy Glasses. 
All right. Well, I'll take the new title of Miss Fancy Glasses. I need to add that to my uh, signature. (laughs) (laughs) I am just, I'm in the profession of people. That's uh, simply how I explained it. Um, I am a, I consider myself an amateur social scientist (laughs) because I love all things people. Um, I'm the person that would sit in the wall, in the mall and just kind of watch people. Oh wow! So that's but what not you in call a kind of way. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> I got family members that do that. <laughs> not the creepy kind. <laughs> uh, so I do a lot of government work. Um, I was a consultant for the state of Florida, and I now I do consulting with the Air Force. So I'm just I'm just doing whatever I can, whenever I can, as long as they pay me. <laughs> long as they pay that's all what it, that's, 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 that's really what it comes down to <laughs> hilarious hey it's all about the money though i'm not mad at you but what about you mrs shanti um so yeah graduated from fam in 05 uh started in pharmaceutical sales i had a few different territories um during my eight years with klaxo smith klein uh, then I transitioned to um, starting a medical billing business. Uh, I had a business partner who had been in medical billing for a long time. And since I already had the contacts um, from pharmaceuticals, I knew a lot of doctors and everything. So um, we started building from there. And then um, I branched off and and just did my own thing. Uh, we separ- I separated from my business partner about four years ago. And um, also brought on an ultrasound tech um, to go to my clients' offices and and do a mobile ultrasound. So I added that to my business as well. So that's been going strong, and we're just you know we're just maintaining. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs in 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 uh, having your own business, but um, the ups are really really up. So you know, it it works itself out. <laughs> Well, keep up the good work. Uh, I love to see uh, us do well, especially fellow Rattlers. So you make us look good on paper so we can brag on you more. <laughs> Spoonful of sugar. Yes, sir. Take it away. Tell tell the <laughs> people about you. Well, I'm more of the hippie. I have no structure. <laughs> I just do my own thing. I just float and whatever feels good, that's what I do. I um, went to Alabama State, didn't finish there. Um, bounced around a couple of times trying to find out who I was. Still finding out who I am every day. But um, went to school for dental assisting, did that for five years with the Coast Guard. Then I went into teaching at a local college here, dental assistant too. And um, came out of that, sick of that, sick of all of that. <laughs> the whole cooking just kind of found me. I really don't even know how I ended up here. Whenever I'm at home, the stove is on. Like, it has to be working, doing something. I'm baking, I'm cooking, I'm roasting, whatever. Something is getting cooked. So um, I decided maybe I need to go into culinary school. And I knew more of the actual cooking side, but not as much baking. So I went to school just for baking and pastries. So I finished that, what, February of this year and just 
I've been certified to have a home-based bakery, so I've been doing that for a little over a year, and then I just stumbled into a building recently. <laughs> that wasn't planned either. I was looking for somewhere to do a pop-up and um, end up popping up every week. So here I am. And that's that. Well, that's not that. I do a lot of other stuff, too. I'm an independent consultant for tons of people, so I'm just, I can't be in a box. I just like to pick up my phone and see if something's popping, and then if I want to do it, I do it, because I just, I can't, I can't. She's a free spirit. I'm a <laughs> that is a hippie. That's, that's <laughs> a <laughs> hippie. <laughs> and my daddy cannot stand it. You need to stop. <laughs> I was going to figure out when you were going to mention him. <laughs> that should have been in your, your description. I can't not. I'm my star. daddy's daughter. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's <laughs> Ronald Coleman. <laughs> appreciate you ladies though (laughs) fellas you know i really don't i talk to you guys all the time but anything new with you uh man new no go ahead i'm just i want to say how heavy my heart is right now um you know byron brought up peeps and now Christmas tree cakes have been delayed as well. So it is, uh, it, it is, it, it's just on me. So, Sean, I'm going to need you to make some Christmas tree cakes and fill in that gap. You need some Christmas cakes. I will yes. make you some Christmas cakes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Got it. Yeah. Well, that sounds Yeah. Christmas cakes are trash. Uh, definitely go to, <laughs> go to Spoonful of Sugar route. Uh, and peeps are trash as well. So, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't they are trash. I don't want to. I don't want to say too much. Just that today uh, was the woman, women's march in D.C., and so the timing of this episode with you three ladies, I think, is perfect. Uh, it's a lot of issues that are going on that uh, this month represents, as far as uh, domestic violence, breast cancer. Both issues affect women heavily. I also learned that it's infant loss month as well. Yes. Yeah. So. Uh, I just think the timing of all of it is perfect. So, again, as Ferg said, as Orazio said, we thank you, ladies, for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, nothing much with me. You know, um, the the highlight of my week is realizing that in 10 days from now, my favorite, well, I don't know if it's my favorite show anymore. I'll keep saying my favorite show, This Is Us, is back for season five. So if you guys don't watch This Is Us, you're missing, to me, one of the best shows on television. I yeah. love it. Yes. How many seasons are there? Renata, do you disagree? You kind of made a... It's... Sounds too no, sad. I, I've Everyone's tried it. Sad. I just, it doesn't keep my attention. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've never even tried it. I mean, I'll give it another try. You got to try it. Like, the first few episodes is slow, but to me, when you... I like to watch people too and try to understand people. And I think this show kind of highlights that it shows how many similarities that we have. We're going to have all these similarities growing up, but everybody interprets things different. Everybody's life goes a different path. So when you, especially when you try to predict how somebody's supposed to turn out, a lot of times you find out it, it just all depends on how they're wired. Um, but it's one of the best shows. I love it. I end up stumbling on it. I didn't think I was going to like it. It's sad, but I'm proud to say I have not shed a tear yet. I can't say I'll never shed a tear because that show does. The show does uh, tug at your heartstring at least once every other episode. Um, and you can never guess what's going to happen. But, you know, it comes back uh, right now. Also, Lovecraft Country has one episode left. So by the time 
this episode airs, we will know what has happened with uh, Tick, Letty, Ruby, and the rest of the cast. So, do you guys watch Lovecraft Country? No. I, yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. heard about it like a week ago and then discovered it's on HBO Max, so that's it for me. We should have known Sean didn't know about it. Sean <laughs> <laughs> knows nothing about nothing. She'd be like, no, what? I like her answer to everything. No. Ask me about Chips Creek. Now that's my show. I can tell you everything about that one. Chips Creek. Chips Creek. Chips Creek. Chips Creek. Chips Creek. Chips Creek. I, I never heard of it. And his son Daniel. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's on my. <laughs> so you watch that, Renata? It's on my list to watch. Yeah, I've okay. heard great things about it. It and is it's light. Yes. Yeah, it's light. That's what we need. Something, something light, not too heavy. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you know what? I'm actually glad you guys are on because I have, you know, if you listen to the show, I have a segment that I have, I think, two weeks, three weeks left okay. called The Great Divide. Mm-hmm. Where I just kind of talk about things I feel like that divide the country and that divide us as people and how we should all be on the same accord. <laughs> uh, Here we go. This week came from more of a personal experience. I had something happen this week and it really it really irked me and I realized how, how annoying it is. So I'm gonna give you an example of what I'm talking about. Well, basically I hate when people question or correct you when you already know you're right. Like if you ask me a question and like rising, then you graduated in 2000. No, I graduated in 99. I thought you graduated in two. No, I know when I graduated. So the, 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 the one that really irks me is when people call you, with the wrong number and they try to correct me. Like, like, I don't know my phone number. They want to go to, so this is not eight, three, two, two, no, no, whatever number you dialed is mine. <laughs> like, I, I, I get annoyed, but like, this isn't sh- like somebody was trying to ask me if I do roofing. Are you sure you don't do? Nope. No, but I've never done roofing. As a matter of fact, I need somebody to come work on my roof. So when you find out the right number, please send that to me so I can connect with them. But they thought I was somebody, somebody named Ron that does roofing. And they really questioned me. And they went through the phone number. And they were like, oh, my bad. Like, oh, you're right. You aren't Ron. And this isn't your phone. And so that kind of stuff irks me. So stop questioning people for no reason. Like, I, that's a pet peeve of me. Like, pet peeve of mine. If you ask me something and I give you an answer, that's the answer. But- but first, like with that, they had to make sure they dialed the right number that they meant to dial. So they're confirming, did I dial eight seven six whatever nine nine three oh nine? What what was it? Eight six seven five three five three five three oh nine. Okay. So they, they they're checking to see did they call that number and and if it's not, so they have to go down they, the checklist to confirm. That, they can confirm by themselves though. That has nothing to do with me. <laughs> Like well, I'm that's not the thing. it doesn't have anything to do with you. It's about them thinking out loud and confirming for themselves. But they're asking me questions like, are you <laughs> sure you're not Ron? No, you just happen to be there. They're just asking the questions out loud to confirm to themselves. So you're making it about you. <laughs> it's about me when you call me. <laughs> no, it was about your phone number. It wasn't about you because it was the wrong number. <laughs> Get them. Get them. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. So I take it you're one of those people. That's what I'm getting at. No, no, I internalize my thought, but I can understand how other people think out loud. Think out loud by yourself. 
That's my thing. Figure out a lot about yourself. I don't have to be part of your whole situation. You're questioning me to figure out if I'm if I'm on the right phone. I do. I actually gonna start. I'm gonna start entertaining them. I'm gonna start going down. Like, let's go through that again. Call me back when you find out the right number. Like, I wanna I wanna see where they go with it. But, but it's a talking about two different things. Like the first example, like then you graduated in 2000. No, I graduated in 99. And then they come back with, but I thought you graduated. Like that can be annoying. But kind of like what Renata said about the the calling your number. It's kind of like they're like. Wait a minute. So if I dialed the number I was given, clearly I was given the wrong number. They're trying to see if they were given the wrong number or if they dialed the wrong number. Either way, they're wrong. They're wrong in the rising situation. They're wrong in this situation. They got nothing to do with me. Y'all see what we deal with, right? Uh, rising know when he's graduated. That's right. And I know my phone number and my name and what I do or do not do for a living. Well, I'll tell you, like, my mom is the queen of that. She will try to get me to remember. Do you remember so-and-so? And they used to live on this street and this and that would ask me like five questions. I'm like, no, I don't remember. Like, finally, I'll just give in. Like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. She will not stop until I say I remember that person. I'm like, no, I don't. My yeah, dad Patrice, Patrice, Miss Pearlie's uh, uh, daughter. <laughs> right. Miss Pearlie's daughter used to live down the street three houses down. You don't remember her? Yeah. I, oh, man. <laughs> well, Wendell does that to me a lot. While the person is there, puts me in a tough situation. <laughs> you don't remember and I'm like, what do you want me yeah. to lie? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, they just do, do like everybody else does. Just say hey and act like you know who they are. Do that every homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> There's people I've known for 15, 20 years, and I still don't know their name. It just happens. <laughs> and just, awesome. their name. It's way too late to ask them their name again. So. Yeah, it's way too late. Is that, or is that just a me thing? I'm the only person that does that. No, uh, I, I think that's I everybody. That. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Got me feel like the bad person. Thank you, Renata. You supposed to be a people person, and you already got me. Oh. <laughs> I agree with you this time, Fur. That's very annoying. It is. Thank you. I, I, I understand. See? For once. For once. So we can take score? <laughs> one, and then there's a whole page of what the hell is. Okay. <laughs> Tough crowd. But anything else you ladies want to talk about? How was your week? <sighs> Any new recipes? Any new breakthroughs, Renata? Is Chanti business opportunities? Break, breakthroughs. She's probably analyzing me now. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> and you know what? I am. I, and it's a habit. Uh-huh. So I, I'm really into uh, the car Young and personality types. And I can't help it. It's just like it happens automatically when I when I'm... Listening to people, I'm pretty much trying to determine what your personality type is. I, I can't have, it have you come have you come to a conclusion with us? Like, can you name our personality uh, type? Uh, hey, I don't want to. Hey, hey, don't embarrass me online, bro. <laughs> let's, 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 so so not fun. yet. But for Lashandra, I, I do think I have hers, but not not quite yet for you guys. I'm we can quiet. revisit it at the end. I may. Have I want to know. I want to know. know. Yeah, yeah. That that that's our closing remarks right there. It's coming. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Rising, help us pay some bills, bro. All right, all right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. We're back. Three brothers, no sense. And the three lovely ladies. People, I have to let you know, Sophie isn't here today. And so Rosie's going to bless us with a joke. Rosie, are you ready for it? I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Take it away, uh, Raz. You know, we, everybody's always on the the whole Android Apple thing, and so I I was kind of trying to figure out uh, who was Snow White endorsing. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking about it, and I really figured it out. I'm like, she endorsed Android phones uh, mainly because she had a bad experience with an Apple. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I think I'm alone. Jesus. Um, 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 Ferg, go ahead, man. We can't blame Rosie for that one. Y'all remember that, right? That was but listen, but listen I, I didn't send that to him for him to use on this show. <laughs> Ah, uh, if y'all can see how vibrant he was, like he was in it, he felt it. You know, Raz, I get you, 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 you sell, gotta sell it. Uh, you, That's you, not you, you gotta sell it. Trying, yeah. trying to, you commit. Was, yeah, you commit. It was a nice delivery. Yeah, yes, right. yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she strokes as he goes. <laughs> nice delivery. Wow. Oh wow. Hey, well, you know, Raz, that was a that was a joke. Um, <laughs> <Angel. laughs> um, wow, Renata, Sean, you got something for us? Got a good question for us? I got a question, I got a couple of questions actually. Ooh, Lord. Oh, Lord, <laughs> oh, let me sit up straight. <laughs> take some notes. All righty, all righty. Well, uh, Miss Renata, what's on your mind? What do you have for us? Okay. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So I'm interested in hearing how you guys would respond if, let's say, one of your good friends, a female friend, you learn she's been involved in a um, situation where there's domestic violence. What is your reaction? She's someone tells you, okay, yeah, she's she's she got really injured last night. She has a black eye because of him. What's your first response? Oh, yeah, I'll go first. So I put my foot in my mouth all the time. So if I say the wrong thing, eh. oh, um, here we go. no, 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 no. Actually, this one is one that that's very serious because I've had friends in that situation uh, and and having to be there for them. But the issue comes in. I have to ask them what they want me to do. So I am reaching out to that individual and I am saying, I am here for you. Girl, you don't need him. But what do you want to do? If you feel like you want to get out, I'll I'll show up and I will I will stand there while you pack up and dare him to say something and we will leave. But I'm not going to put my neck on the line and I'm not going to come over there and try to beat him up and do all this stuff. If you're going to be with him the next day, if you're going right back to him. So it has to be 
something where I'm there for you, but we need to make this decision on what we do. I can't make a, a, a unilateral decision myself on how to react in this situation. So that's that's my answer to it. I kind of like that answer, man. Uh, it's it's one I hadn't really thought about too much. Uh, I thought for sure you was going to ask if it was one of our friends that was doing the abusing. So this one kind of kind of threw me off. But well, I want to you can answer it that way too. either or. OK, well, let me I want to echo what Rosie said. I think that's a very good answer, because I think had I gone first, my answer would have been similar to the I would have said something along the lines of, uh, you know, are you ready to leave him? And if if she's like just ready to give him another chance and stuff like that, I would try to tell her why that's probably a bad idea and why she shouldn't. But I know for the most part, just telling someone you need to leave is not effective. That's not like domestic violence is it's not that black and white. It's not as easy as telling someone just leave and they automatically pack up and go. So I like what Rosie said in that. Um, the question you said, I can't answer if it's one of my friends. That's interesting, too, because I know for a fact in like my teens and early 20s, I would have handled it poorly. I definitely would have told, you know, that friend of mine that he's wrong for it. But I, I, I'm not 100 percent sure how much further past that I would have gone with it. As opposed to me being almost 40 now, you know, not only am I telling him how wrong he is, it's possibly going to cause us our friendship. But um, I want to get to the source of it, because I believe that it's not just how the movies portray that a man just gets mad and start beating on his woman. Usually he grew up around it. He has some type of substance abuse. He's insecure about something. So I'm going to try to get him some help, but I'm also going to try if he's my friend in in relation to to some degree, I'm that person's friend that he's dating as well. So I'm going to try to help her get away from that situation as well while trying to get to the root of, the, of him thinking that it's OK to put his hands on that woman. I don't have like a lot of specific answers to it, but I do know I would go much further than I would 20 years ago in trying to help that situation. And like I said, it possibly could cause a friendship because uh, I know when I asked spe specifically you, Renata, I said I wanted to talk about domestic violence because it's something I witnessed as a child. I watched my mom get slapped and choked as a kid while I was eight years old. So it's something that is like very very dear to me. And I'm always looking for suggestions and answers on how to uh, prevent it, stop it, and uh, just curb it any kind of way I can. I think Risley's answer was spot on. And I mean, I'm glad you went first because in my mind, I would try to be proactive and give her options, but none of those options might be an option. If that makes sense. Like, I think truly finding out what she wants to do and listening to that, internalizing that, and then maybe coming back with options and assistance, you know, because sometimes we don't know what we want to do. I think a lot of times in life you ask me, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know. You know, um, if a lot of, if you asked her, you have to have a person what they want to do. They're going to say they don't know. And if they knew they probably would have done it by now. And I guess 
the question is, what do you want to do and how can I help? And I'm with Byron. I mean, if it's a friend now, like I'm very, and I, I got, I got friends that joke with me and like, you're a feminist and they call me a manist. I, I be called, I'm called everything under the sun because a lot of times I find myself, I'm not even defending, speaking up or speaking out for women and the stuff I'm saying is not far-fetched. It's just, to me, a lot of it's common sense. You know, if you just sit that, sit back and look, but I think I, I would lose a friend over that because I, I, I have standards for the people I consider friends. And I, I'm willing to lose a friend over that. But I, at the same time, I would try to get that, like Byron said, understand what's going on and not the details of, you know, well, she said this and I said this. I don't care about the details. What I need to figure out is we need to get you help so this doesn't happen again. And I need to get her help and figure out if this is it. Well, try to help you guys figure out if this is even something that needs to continue or should continue at this time. But if you're not willing to get help, we can't we can't do this. Like I can't. There's certain things I do condone. And I don't condone. And I'm and that's one of them. Like I, I can't I can't condone men abusing women point blank you know um i'm not gonna act like i'm this i'm running in fighting everybody and breaking up or pistol whipping him or about to you know put my life in jeopardy because i have a wife and two kids you know i my family comes first and i'll never jeopardize their well-being for anyone else but at the same time you know i would extend myself as much as humanly possible that without jeopardizing my family but I guess I guess the question is, what would you ladies like to see? What would you what would you expect the answer to be? Like if you called your male friend and told him this happened, what would you want to hear? Or what do you think is reasonable? Is that a good question? A follow up, or answer your own question, Renata? However you want to do it, because I know you're writing. <laughs> well, so domestic violence is pretty common. We we like to think that it's not, but it is. It's like one in four women and one in seven men experience domestic violence. Um, but there's generally a theme that we all kind of default to when we're speaking of domestic violence, and um, especially if it's a woman, we usually default to placing the burden of change on the survivor, which is most of the time the woman. If you If you think about it, we usually always say, well, she's got to leave or we got to get her out or we have to do this. She has to do this. But the burden should be on the batter. Not so much. What is she going to do? What is he going to do? Why? Why is it that we always look to removing the woman and her children from the home more so than the batter? And because one of the the most dangerous time in a domestic violence relationship is when she leaves that first 90 days when she leaves, that's the most dangerous time. And that's what they're trying to avoid because usually domestic violence, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's not that he got so mad. It's all about power and control. So over the course of that relationship, he's been kind of chipping away at her self-esteem. He's been chipping away at her access to resources. He's been isolating her. So 
yeah, her self-esteem might not be where it was. Like she, she could be, she could be a doctor. She could just appear to be so confident to the world, but he's been chipping away at that at home and he may control all the finances. So there are so many reasons why women don't just leave. And usually it's because of the finances, because of the kids, it's because she doesn't know what, where she's going to go. She doesn't know how she's going to get there. How is she going to keep, how is she going to keep her kids safe if she's constantly watching her back because she's not in that house? So, I mean, I think you guys gave great answers, but I think we should maybe start focusing more on putting the burden of the resolution on the batter as opposed to their survivor. And I'm, I'm, I'm open to that. Isn't, but isn't the thought that, um, so like if you remove him, he knows where she is. So it's, easy for him to come back and I think and maybe this is old school thinking I think we automatically go to we need to get her out of the situation to make it harder for him to find her and eventually make it to where he never can again or just completely stays because like if she stays and you remove him he knows exactly where to come back to so I guess my question would be if that's the correct way to do it then how do we prevent him from just showing up Okay. Yeah, I, I I look at it as I I don't I don't feel removing the woman or the children from the situation is putting the burden on them for change. I, I look at those separately. I, it's it's you know when, when we were talking about being a first responder, is the seem safe, right? I need to get her out of that situation to make it safe for her at that point. I need to get her in a safe environment. Um, now, if it is something where her name's on the lease, her name's on the house, she, it, it's she feels secure there and she wants him out, then that's what we're going to do. Again, going back to what is her plan. Uh, and you want him out? Cool. Let's get him out. Me and my, me and my boys, we on our way. We about to get him out. Uh, okay. But but the thing about it, like Byron said, is she's there. Are we going to stay there with her for the next 90 days and watch the house so he doesn't come back like it's it's just we're talking about the ease of making her safe and whatever we need to do to make her feel safe and then i do agree that the burden is on him to change i would never tell a battered woman or a battered man hey maybe you need to talk to him quieter maybe you need to be nicer to him and he won't hit you like that, that so i don't i don't feel like i'm putting the burden on her to change at all i'm just making sure that she's safe and then we need to address um what she wants to do if she wants to continue to be with him then yes, he needs to change. We need to get him into some help or do whatever. So I, I feel like those are kind of two separate things. Well, so you you were talking about the burden on him to change versus the burden of coming up with the plan. If you're saying I'm gonna, I'm asking her, what does she want me to do? Well, do you really believe that she's in the mental state to come up with a plan of action to secure her kids, secure housing, secure all of that? We're placing the burden on her to come up with that plan. And not, not, not right then. I, I, I'm not saying right then. Um, uh-huh. but I, you know, it, it's it's OK. At this point, do you want to leave or not? Uh, are, are you planning on staying with him or not? Now we can talk the plan of, OK, if you're look, looking at leaving, I'm coming to get you. You can come stay with me and then we'll start worrying about housing, all the other stuff. We can we can flesh the rest of that plan out. But you got to have an initial where, where you want to go type thing are you are you still planning on being with him if you're still planning on being with him after tonight mm-hmm. I, so honestly, I don't know what honestly if she had all those answers do you think she would still be there if she had all I those think. answers so there there is no such thing as a uh, necessarily correct 100 percent correct way um but what we know is 
a woman leaves and on average seven times before the relationship ends. That's seven times. So when we say we want to remove her from the situation and keep her safe, are you? Because there's a lot of control and power that's been going on all that time. All it takes is for him to call her. Mm. She's going to cave because he's been manipulating her and probably using her kids over her. Well, we need to be a family or I'm sorry. All it takes is a phone call. So is it really a matter of, well, he knows exactly where she is. He can find out exactly where she is regardless. That's why when they, when you go to shelters, you know, you're not supposed to disclose the location, but women tend to go back. If they have kids, it's an 80% chance that they're going to go back because it's going to be, Oh, well, I don't want to disrupt my children and their, their school and they're away from their home. They're away from their dad. They're, that's what they're thinking about. Those are the things that they're thinking about mostly. So when we say, let's just get her out. Okay. But for how long? And actually now that she's out, she's more in danger than she was when she was there. So it gets control. so complicated, but the, the main thing we have to think of is we can't save the person. You know, we could, we could listen. Um, we could give resources. And like another thing, when we say we want, you know, how can I help you? That's again, that's placing the burden on her. And she's already got a million things going on in her life and her head. She's got trauma. She's got all this stuff going on. We have to be specific with our, with our help. Like here's a phone number to housing. Hey, let me babysit the kids for you. Hey, let me do this. You have to, we have to give specific help. And be just we have to be specific in what we how we feel like we don't want to say, you know, you need to get out of there, blah, blah, blah. We can say, I'm really concerned about your safety. I'm concerned about you. You know, we can say those things like here's a number to call. Do you need a ride? Just we have to be specific and not put the burden on them to come up with a plan or to tell us what they need, because we know there's a problem. Ladies, what you got, Sean? They may have a plan, and I think it depends on at what point in the relationship this is. If it's the beginning, then yeah, she might go back a couple of times, like you said, seven or eight times. She might go back, but it might be that one time that somebody finally stepped in and said, "What can I do to help you?" And she's like, "Oh my God, I, I already know what I want to do. Like tell you whatever that plan is, you get out of there, and she's done for real this time." I've been there. I've lived it twice, myself and with my mama. With my mama, I probably should have asked her for permission. Well, if I had known, I could have texted her real quick. But anyway, story is, she packed us up like Tina Turner in the middle of the night, and we got on a bus and we left the state. We left because she was it was she was done. She had finally gotten to the point where she was just sick and tired, and she wasn't going to take it anymore. And I guess I cause that's probably how I ended up in the situation. I had seen it going on for so long, and then I'm just young and dumb and <laughs> you know put myself in this situation back and forth same thing I- i'm done i'm done but then he calls and like i'm so sorry i'm like oh okay i'm so sorry too <laughs> i didn't even do anything but i'm sorry too you know so it just depends on where the person is in a relationship because i did i went back i don't know how many times but when i finally got kicked and punched in the chest like a dude that last time i'm like you know what this is it. And then one of his friends, who was one of our mutual friends, um, stepped in and was like, same thing, like, Robbie, what do you want me to do? What do you need me to do? And he helped me get away because mm-hmm. I was ready to go. Everybody's not there. 
some of them will say, oh, I have these kids, I have this, I have that, he has all the money, whatever. I'm the type, I don't care. I can have $7 in my pocket, I'm leaving. I will find a way to survive. <laughs> like, we will be okay, but everybody, you just have to get to that point. And sometimes they, they have a plan, but they, it's just so much on them that it's like they can't decipher. They don't know what they need to do first or who can they go to or, you know, nobody's going to believe me. What's he going to do? It's just, it's, it's a lot to it. So I, I, I like all y'all's answers. That, um, I'm concerned about your safety sounds pretty effective. Uh, that mm-hmm. that seems like that seems better than what can I do? Yeah, you should leave that. I, I kind of I like that a lot. So yeah, Ashanti, you have anything for us? Um, you know it's it, it's such a oh, it's a <laughs> moving subject. It it just brings up a lot of things, right? And and just shows how widespread this problem is because. I never dealt with it personally, but my mom and dad, um, it has definitely happened, you know, between my mom and dad. And um, I was born in Detroit, actually. And um, that's the reason we moved back home to Mobile, where my mom's grandmother lived, is because of, you know, my dad and his like abusive ways toward my mom. So I remember this as a, you know, I think I went to kindergarten in in Detroit. So I think I started first grade. Yeah, I was in first grade when I moved down here um, to Alabama. But um, I remember, you know, the night that was the last straw for my mom was uh, um, my my oldest brother, my brother passed away um, some years back, but he was probably 16, 17 at the time. And he, you know, got in between my mom and dad because they were, were fighting. My dad was, you know, beating on my mom. And so my brother tried to fight my dad, you know, to protect my mom. And my brother ended up in the hospital that night. I remember like, you know, the police coming to the house, my uh, grandmother and my aunt were there taking care of me and my other brother. We were smaller. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it was it was bad. I mean, they were like hitting each other with like bats and stuff. There was like, you know, I could remember the blood everywhere and wow. it was really bad. So um, that was the last straw for my mom. She moved us um, back home to Alabama, where my family's originally from. So, you know, I, um, that's always been like a thing for, for me to, uh, you know, whoever I was dating or whatever, like I don't play fight. I don't play wrestle. Like, no, no, none of that. I don't play any of that, you know, um, because I don't want any, you know, man getting aggressive with me. And I'm like, one thing I'm going to have is, is peace in my house. Like, you know. Sorry, you know, forget your feelings, whatever's going on. I don't care. I'm going to have peace in my house. That's that's my number one thing. And so it just, you know, brings up all of those memories and just how widespread like the trauma is, you know, for for women and probably black women in particular. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know where I'm really going with that, but just wanted to share that. Yeah, that's that's a 
widespread thing. And I don't know what else my mom could have done being in that same, you know, that same neighborhood with my dad. Like she had to move far, far away. Um, I don't know that there was any other um, option for her to completely cut that situation off cold turkey. Well, Sean said definitely triggered some memories because um, I remember that time I told you guys I saw my dad choking my mom. I actually, as an eight-year-old, went in there trying to pull his hand off of her neck, and he still didn't stop. But it's it's almost kind of funny in a way what finally drove my mom to leave because we did the same thing that you spoke about, Sean, where we left in the middle of the night and went in, went to go live with my aunt house. And I just remember being happy because my aunt was the best cook in the family and they had a nice house in Westmobile with a swimming pool. So I'm like, oh man, we about to be living it up, you know, moving from Pritchard to there as a kid. But what made her leave, it wasn't, it wasn't the hitting. It wasn't him being an alcoholic. It wasn't him cheating. My mom was so into church he made her late for church. He made her miss church. He had took the car. He had been out all Saturday night, didn't come home in time enough for Sunday, and she missed church. And as crazy as it sounds, that was her last straw. <laughs> he made her miss church, champ. So <laughs> once that happened, she was out. And that's, that, so I, I say that to say that you never know what a woman's breaking point is. So for the listeners, if you've got someone that's going through it and you get frustrated with them, always going back to that person, don't give up on them because they hopefully they will eventually something will click for them. And it may not even be the abuse. It may be something completely different from the abuse. And I'm good. Well, first of all, man, I'm glad. And I really appreciate everybody sharing. I mean, that was to me, I think one of the most open sessions we've had on the show and I think that's part of it because we've all lived it, heard these scenarios. And for one, that's what we're taught. We're taught to go help her get out of this situation. And then we're all, but we're also taught that you can't approach him because what's going to happen. She's going to go back to him anyway. That, that is like, that is, that is word. That's like, that's written word in our community. Well, she's going to go back to him. And you can't, you don't step in between people cheating domestic violence because it's up to her. And I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is how it's been taught in our community. It's up to her to leave when she's ready. We're there. But he doesn't have a problem in his mind. Like we all know he beats on her. We all know she's going to go back to him. He he's not the one with the problem because he's getting away with it. So we have to I feel like we're, we're taught that we have to go help her rather than address him because even with your and you're you're absolutely right, Renato. That's a lot to put on somebody who's going through something. But what do we do with him? Do we get him arrested? And now we get him arrested. We call the police. Something happens. She doesn't file a complaint. Now she doesn't mess with me anymore because now I'm getting in the way of the relationship and stuff like that. Because we've seen we've seen it a thousand times. We've been taught. I was I heard this growing up a little kid. Well, you know she's gonna go back to him. So I'm. Five, six, seven years old. I'm hearing this growing up. And so when I became an adult, it was already ingrained in me that, you know, it's going to, you know, nothing's going to happen until that person's ready to leave or change or or worse, they end up dead or something like that. You know, because those are I mean, 
domestic violence in a lot of times ends in, you know, murder. You know, like it's it's it, it's dangerous out there. And I'm not downplaying or uh, trying to victim blame at all, but I think that's how we're taught. And like, even with your answer, I still don't know what to do to him. Mm-hmm. You know, what, how do I change him? How, I don't know him. Um, and if I approach him, I'm, I make, I might make matters worse. And that's another thing. We might make matters worse for her. Yeah, because even if we try to ostracize him, like you said, you you end up losing your friend. Because if you if if you know, I know he's beating on my friend, and when he comes around, I I stay arms distance. Like you stay over there because I know you beating on my friend. I ain't messing with you. Now she's gonna stop coming around. She's gonna stop bringing him around because they're still together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's another way that he chips away and ostracizes her and pulls her away because he's like, see, they they don't mess with you. They trying to get between. Us. And so now he slowly peels her away from the friend who wants to help. So you you have to kind of sit there and play that and grind your teeth while this dude that's hitting on your friend uh, is sitting in the in the um, in the living room with you while y'all watching the football game together. And that's so hard. And I've and like I said, I've been there, and I and, and it is hard to sit there and just be like, dude, if I could, I'd just choke you right now. But I'm 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 gonna be here for my friend. And I'm going to make sure that nothing escalates. But we, how many of y'all have been in that situation where you see him over there in the, in the, in the corner arguing and then all of a sudden she pull, picking up her purse and she's like, all right, I'm y'all, we about to go. go. Yeah. And you just like, uh, you just want to be like, no, don't. You just want to put your arms around it, but you can't. And and it's it's hard, man. Like that, like even just being in the the bubble or in that in that orbit of it is hard and it just to be the friend so man it, it's complex it's hard I, I will say anybody who's listening y'all can always hit us up on facebook hit up three brothers no sense dm us uh we'll do whatever we can to uh, help you out if we need to and get you the resources yeah and get yeah. you the resources that you need yep get resources <laughs> If you if you know of an attack going on, always call 911. And when I say we need to get him out of the house, sometimes it's just to get him out of the house in time enough so that you can assist um, the survivor. Um, it doesn't mean like you're going to get him out forever. But if you can just get him out so that you could just connect with that survivor and give them the resources and, and to see if they do have a plan in place. Um, but never I, uh, please n- never confront the batterer that's for a professional to do well I'm going to say this I think I think the hardest part about all this is it's not an anomaly it's so commonplace you said one in four women yeah and sexual know, assault so even more and so we know that and it's not like these people are like we have uncles, brothers, cousins, friends that do this. And it's so the, the sad thing is it's so normalized where, you know, that uncle who could be very successful. And to a certain extent, the family looks up to him. And so, you know, like, we, their relationship becomes part of the family dynamic. We know these things happen. We knew granddad drunk. I would get drink drunk and do these things like that's part of our family legacy, part of our family story. We've seen it time and time again. And so when we see this happening in our world closer to us, we want to step in. But step in, you want to step in, but like. And I hate to say it when I think of it, because I've never thought about it. Is it as big as a deal as we, we 
in our mind because we've seen it so much. Mm-hmm. Uncles do it. Fathers do it. Grandfathers do it. Like, and they're not bad people. I think a lot of times it's like you can easily say, okay, this person is a, uh, he beats on his wife or his girlfriend. He's a bad person. If you told me a friend, I'm like, he's horrible. But we like, oh yeah, my uncle died. I did used to beat on aunt, this, 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 and this too. But that's my uncle. He's not a bad person. Same scenario, but because I know this person, he's not a bad person. So you, you kind of, I'm not going to say excuse it, but you don't take it as serious as, as it should be. And I don't know what we need to do, what I need to learn, what kind of resources we need to uh, be privy to or what we need to be taught as a community. Because I think that's a very, you know, we always talk about generational curses and things we need to break. I think that's a huge one. So I'm a step back. I'm done. And, and just uh, just be open to all suggestions. If you really want to help, just be open to all suggestions. And Renata is definitely putting us up on game on a lot of things. I appreciate that. Never, never would have thought of it that way. All right. This is a, this has been a pleasure, man. It's fun, but we're going to take a quick break. I think we're going to make this a two part segment. So we're going to stop right here. Um, fellas, do you guys have anything you want to leave them with? What's your parting shots? Uh, well, I appreciate the ladies so far. Looking forward to uh, next week as well. Uh, speaking of ladies, we did a part two with uh, Beautiful Paradox that'll be airing. Um, to, uh, it will air this Sunday. So hopefully you guys are checking that out. Hope you like part one and uh, tune in to part two. And uh, that's about all I got for right now. Just make sure you check that out. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Three Brothers No Sense. What about you, Ra? Uh, I just want to talk how about how bad Michael J. White's agent is and how he sucks at picking movies because I watched Welcome to Sudden Death on Netflix this past weekend and it is horrible. It is horrible. It doesn't know what it wants to be. You it's got the whole kids. Thing? I watched the whole thing because, you know, once I start, I'm a completionist. Once I start, I got to kind of finish it. Uh, so it wasn't as bad as I couldn't finish it. I could finish it. There's some funny parts in there. Uh, Gary Owens is in it. He, he serves as the comedy relief, but the writing's bad in it. The pacing's bad in it. Um, like I said, it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's a bunch of cursing in it. So it's, it's rated R, but then there's two kids in it. So it, it, it feels more like it should be like one of those Disney movie straight to video movies. Um, or Disney Channel straight to video movies, but with all the cursing in it, it can't be. So I think it would have been re- way better for like a a, a fourteen PG thirteen uh, type of crowd, and I think it would have it would have worked better. But the way they made it, it just it was bad. So Michael J. White could have been so good coming off of Spawn. Even why did I get married and all those playing those parts. Uh, he's had some really good parts, but then he comes back and he does like blood, blood and bone is another awesome one that he's done. Uh, a lot of those action karate type movies that he's done, he, he's been good in. Uh, and then he just, he picks movies like this, man, and messes himself up for being able to get bigger, uh, roles. So just Michael J. White, if you're out there listening, if you do listen to our show, one, don't beat me up, but two, um, you know, fire your agent, man, and get a, get a better one. So. Oh, and uh, Blackish, the election episode came out. It's a two part episode and it is hilarious. So, if you guys haven't watched that, go check out Blackish. The new season started and the first two episodes were about the elections. So, they're really, really good. 
All right, I'm going to make it real quick. So we have started watching The Boys. I think I'm season one, like episode five. Mm-hmm. It's really good, and it's hilarious. <laughs> um, I, I Check it out. If you guys have Amazon Prime or Fire Stick, you know, y'all bootleg it. Check it out. Really good show. It is hilarious on their take on how superheroes would be in this real world, as well as the fact that as Americans, we will find a way to turn it into money. Yep. Um, the second thing is, I think we mentioned this a few, a while back and talking about the sequel movies coming to America has been sold to, was it Amazon? Yep. Uh, so it's going straight to Amazon will not hit the theaters. I've heard mixed reviews. Some people are scared or some people thought it was just a smart move and you get your money in and get out. Uh, very interested to see it. I think it's going to come out the beginning of December. So be looking forward to look, look forward to seeing it. Please go support. I'm nervous. Are you guys going to check it out? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what do you think? I think, I think it was a good play actually. Uh, 125 million is one. That's a respectable, small movie um, take even in the theaters. Um, and it usually, if you come out with 125 million in ticket sales, that's not what you actually brought home. So for Eddie Murphy to actually sell that to Amazon for 125 million, meaning that he pockets that, uh, and and he's already paid all the actors and all that stuff. That's a good play for him, especially with how the movie theaters are right now. Uh, Marvel's pushing back all of their stuff. Nobody's dropping anything in the theaters. AMC is probably about to file bankruptcy. They just said that they only have like two months left of uh, money to be able to uh, float their bills. So. It's a smart play to go straight to video and go and take $125 million off of a project uh, straight up. So I think it was a good play for him. I don't think it was a scared thing at all. All right. Well, that's what we got. Well, Three Brothers, No Sense. Check us out again next week. We'll finish up the episodes with the three lovely ladies we have with us. I think that's it. Anybody else? Anything else? I'm going to start you off. Listen, like, share comment, subscribe, and most importantly, listen, listen again. again. Ha, I got that. Got job. it. <laughs> You're kind of out of order, but we ain't going to bring that oh, up. Oh, come on. Man. <laughs> <laughs>